Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. We're going to do a deep dive on the Buckeyes linebackers today. Uh, let's start at the top with Tommy Eichenberg. Thank goodness he's coming back for a fifth year, as Jim Knowles called him, Tommy No Thumbs, because by the end of the year, he had two broken thumbs and was still out there making plays. Um, what a great year he had last year, backs. First team All-Big Ten, second team All-American. I don't know if he's going to be a good NFL player, but he's one hell of a college linebacker. Um, best middle linebacker the Buckeyes have had since at least Raekwon McMillan. Um, your thoughts on what to expect from Tommy Eichenberg this year? Well, you're right. He had an exceptional season last year. He's one of the best linebackers in the country. You couldn't have asked much more, and it was candidly a bit of a surprise that we got that much out of him. So right. I don't know if we can quite expect him to be the ever-present force that he was last year. But on the flip side, I think he should still be very good this year. I hope we get a little bit of more rotation this year, so maybe he at least has one unbroken thumb by the end of the year because uh, I felt like he played a lot. But you're right. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a high-end NFL guy. I mean, Raekwon was, what, a second-round pick in the NFL? So there's obviously a lot of physical talent and upside there that we saw play out from a kid who was a five-star recruit in high school. But, you know, flip side of that is is that, you don't have to be an NFL superstar to be a really good college player. I mean, look at the guy who was the quarterback for Georgia, Stetson Bennett. You know, he he uh, he he will not be a big time NFL player, but he won two national titles. So, I think Eichenberg's a guy that we're going to utilize a lot this year. He's the captain on defense. He's one of the most important players we have. So, yeah, I think he's going to have another great year, assuming we can keep him healthy. What can he get better at? I mean, I get, he can get better at everything, I guess. Um, he's a good tackler. I didn't see him miss too many tackles. I guess you can get – you can't really get too much more athletic as a fifth-year senior. I guess you can keep getting stronger. Um, what do you see from his game? Like, what can Tommy get better at? I think there's a little bit of room to improve when it comes on covering tight ends. But some of that was obviously ske- skewed by him having to cover some of those monsters on UGA. So – but that is that is something I, I think that we, we have to understand there in his limitations, right? He's a little more of a throwback in terms of being a linebacker who's really good tackle to tackle. Um, and he's a little more athletic than your traditional like 
battleship middle linebacker he used to be, but it's still difficult for him sometimes to keep up with some of these better tight ends. So I do think you're going to see him sometimes uh, whenever he's in that situation where he has to cover a tight end. That's a spot where maybe we're not as strong as we would have been back in the day with, say, uh, look look at Pete Werner. Pete Werner made his bag by uh, by covering Pat Fryermuth very well against Penn State, and everybody went, wow, he can stick with that guy. If Eichenberg can show a little bit more improvement in the pass defense, then I think the, that's going to be something that makes him more well-rounded. Because right now, if you're looking at him from an NFL perspective, he's not a three-down linebacker, even if you think he does have the athleticism, which is 50-50, probably not as likely there. He's more of a later-round pick. If you can cover the tight end, you know, if you can stay with those plays, that's something he can improve on. But I think he's pretty close to a finished product at this point. We'll get to CJ Hicks in a moment. Um, that's probably the ones everybody wants to hear about the most. Um, but Steel Chambers <laughs> returning as um, the starting wheel linebacker, fifth-year senior. Um, what do you expect from Steele this year? Well, I think more of what we've seen the last two years. He's been very, very, very solid. He's an athletic guy. Um, he doesn't quite take the, the best angles occasionally on his tackling, but he's improved, right? He's a guy who has been a really strong presence for Ohio State in terms of athletic ability, though. He's been our number two tackler. Or I think the last two seasons he was second on the team in tackles, right? And, you know, when we've played the two linebacker sets, he was one of the two last year, and for a reason. So I think Still Chambers, again, is another guy who's a little bit more of a a completed product, right? Fifth-year seniors don't often take monster leaps, right? You kind of know what you have with those guys. And Chambers is a guy who yeah, remember a couple of years ago when he was like the fourth string running back and every time we get him, we'd be like, oh God, don't fumble it. And now we're like, okay, good. He's, we really needed him at linebacker. Thank God we have him. So, you know, I think he's a kid that persevered through some early difficulties in his career. So I like rooting for him. Um, but much like Eichenberg, I think you, what you see is what you're going to get from him this year. And that's not a bad thing, Dave. I think both of them were good last year. Yeah. All right. Let's get to CJ Hicks. I think, there's no doubt that uh, I think there's no doubt. There's no doubt that he's going to play a decent amount this year. Is he going to play? Is he going to be a starter? We'll see. Is he going to play a ton? We'll see. But Jim Knowles is not going to say things like, um, "We are going to unleash CJ Hicks this year." If he's thinking, "Oh yeah, he's just probably going to play in the fourth quarter of blowouts," um, I don't know how much he's going to rotate with Steele and and CJ. But even last year, look back to last year, Steele and Cody Simon rotated for a long time. You know, until Steele really took the job and ran with it. I expect C.J. Hicks is going to have a big year this year. We shall see. What do you expect from Mr. Hicks? I expect C.J. Hicks to play a ton. I don't think you can keep a kid that was a top 10 national player and has looked as as good as he did last year, right, whenever we saw him in little spurts and then has looked as good as he did in the spring game. He's followed through and looks every bit the part of a top 10 recruit. You have to play him. He has to get on the field. And frankly – it's going to be a long season. If you're Ohio State, you're planning for a 15-16 game season, whatever it needs to be, to try to win a national championship. So it behooves you to get C.J. Hicks on the field and get him on the field a lot so that Eichenberg isn't Mr. Two Broken Thumbs by the end of the year. That's going to be a critical thing to get him out there. But on top of that, you have to give the younger guys that are going to be the ones that are going to take over these starting roles in here a lot of run. It's just a smart thing to do. Uh, let's be real here. Chambers and Eichenberg are both gone after this year, period. End of the day. There's no more hidden COVID eligibility for either of them. So that means you have to have Hicks in a position to be able to step in as a starter in two years. So, yeah, it's smart for now. 
to get him on the field, get this monstrous athletic kid out there that we want to talk about guys that probably have a shot to play in the NFL. He's very high on my list of players that come out of my mouth. If you ask me to name Buckeyes and defense that I think will play in the NFL, CJ Hicks is one of those first five names out of my mouth. Right. But on the flip side, he's a guy that is going to help you this year. The more depth you have at linebacker, the better you are. Now I'm not saying he's the guy who's going to get more snaps than another one of those other two against Michigan. We haven't figured that out yet. We haven't seen enough of the course of the year, but he's going to play a ton this year. And that's a great thing because he is that raw athletic guy. He is that quote Alabama linebacker, that mold that you hear about the big guy that can run. Right. So I'm excited for CJ Hicks. We're going to see how quickly he takes to the uh, preparation side of being a linebacker, which is a big thing, making calls on defense, lining up in the correct position, making sure that you're taking the correct angles and holding your responsibilities. But from a physical traits perspective, C.J. Hicks is maybe our most gifted linebacker. By the way, if you're uh, watching on YouTube, subscribe. It's free. Helps us out. Subscribe if you haven't already and you're watching on YouTube. We appreciate that very much. We're not ending the show right now. I just wanted to throw that in there. Please, <laughs> please subscribe if you haven't already on our YouTube channel. Thank you very much. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned like, you know, Steel Chambers and Tommy actually could come back for a sixth year next year if they wanted to because they redshirted and they had the COVID year. I don't think they're going to, especially Tommy. No. Tommy uh, thought about going pro this year. Um, I don't think either one of them will come back, but um, they actually could come back for a sixth year. All right, more on CJ Hicks. Like for those that are wondering, I don't think he was ready last year because I don't think he was physically ready. He was probably about 215 pounds last year. Now he's listed at 230. Now, I don't know if he's quite up to 230, but they list him at 230. I think he's probably more about 225, 227, so he's close to 230. Um, but my point is he's now physically ready to be a Big Ten Ohio State linebacker, and he's got all the speed, and he, he just has that the instincts, the toughness. When he, when he hits you, you feel it, and he, he's just – man, I – I like Steel Chambers. I'll, I'll be surprised if by the end of the year, C.J. Hicks is not the guy at the Will linebacker spot. It wouldn't surprise me either. And the other thing, too, about him is there's a lot of big athletic guys we've had come through Ohio State that just couldn't process the linebacker position. It just wasn't what they did correctly. Like, think of Barron Browning, right? Barron Browning was a guy who yeah, you just needed to put him in his hand in the dirt and let him go out to the QB. But they spent two years trying to to jam him into the this square peg into a round hole of being a middle linebacker and like read and react. And that's just not what he did. Well, I think Hicks from what I saw of his film in high school, I'm more inclined to believe that he's got that pure linebacker ability. And you know, we talked earlier about Raekwon McMillan. This is the most excited I've been about a young linebacker since Raekwon McMillan coming into Ohio state. No doubt about it. And we're going to talk about two more linebackers, Cody Simon and Gabe Powers. Let's start with Cody, the veteran fourth year guy. Uh, or is he going to be a fifth year guy now? Man, I'm losing, I'm losing track now. Um, so Cody Simon, what do you expect his role is going to be? I think, you know, he was pushed out of the, you know, really didn't have much role by the end of the year last year, but he's a veteran guy. Um, the coaches talk him up like they like him, but I, I don't know if he's going to play that much this year. What do you think? You know, he's a guy that whenever he's been healthy, he's been pretty good. It's just, he hasn't been healthy enough a lot. I feel like he's always got a nagging injury or something that holds him back from being a major contributor. Um, I do think his window of opportunity to sort of be like the guy who comes in and, and takes his spot is is, is shrinking. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that he would have to have an unbelievable fall camp and have some fortune fall his way with some some nagging injuries to other people for him to start, in my opinion, on a consistent basis. The talent, I think, is there. 
we just haven't seen enough of him uh, healthy to really see if he's been able to elevate himself into that role. There was a point, and I think it was like three years ago, where he came on and we were like, wow, look at him. He's got some potential. And it just hasn't followed through. So I think the coaching staff knows they have two pretty solid options in place in Eichenberg and Chambers. They got a guy in Hicks who's a media rising. So Simon's going to have to battle for whatever playing time he gets. And I think the bigger question is, is can, can Simon put himself in the pecking order ahead of the guys behind him to make sure he's that second choice in a lot of these positions? I just don't see Cody starting a ton this year, though I do think he'll be a valuable player for depth. Yeah, the, the roster says he has two years of eligibility left, including this one. He lists him as a senior. I think he's a fourth-year senior. I don't think he I don't think he redshirted, but he does have another year left because of the COVID year. So he does have next year. I believe he's a fourth-year guy would be um, a fifth-year senior next year. So we'll see what happens there. All right, Gabe Powers. That's a guy that – another guy that came in pretty skinny, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, again, 215 pounds last – he was last year. And he's a taller guy. So um, and they're playing him at middle linebacker. I thought he looked – a lot better this spring than he did in the fall. You can tell he's, he's filling out. Um, he was a big-time recruit for Marysville. High four-star, was a five-star at one point. Dropped to a high four-star. Redshirt freshman, four years of eligibility left. I think the future is bright for Gabe Powers. I don't know how much he's going to play this year backs on defense. He'll help on special teams. Um, mm-hmm. I think the future is bright for him. Just what are your thoughts on, on Gabe Powers? My thought on Gabe Powers is is that when we're having this conversation next year, he'll be the name we're excited to talk about. Uh, The reality is I don't see him bumping past the four guys we just talked about here, though. At the end of the day, I think Hicks is the more ready of the young guys, of the the two linebackers that we had. And if you remember that class, the top three recruits were Hicks. And then when Sonny Styles reclassified upwards, we all know what he is. And then Powers. Those three were all top 50 players nationally. But I always felt like Powers had the biggest – stretch to go to be on the field at OSU. He was from a smaller school. He was pure athleticism and frame. He was a guy that needed that time to level his way up to where he could get to. He was the more, most potential pick of the three versus what we'd seen. Cause you know, the styles was obviously ready to play at the point where he was a high school player last year. It should have been, and was playing in the playoff game. And obviously CJ Hicks is, is, is right there and ready to go. But that doesn't mean that Powers isn't going to be a good player for OSU. Sometimes some of these kids just take a little longer to get on the field, and that's fine. I think that Powers will be a valuable depth option. We'll see him play hopefully a lot against some of these lesser opponents this year and get his feet wet and start getting those badly needed reps that are going to help him become the player we want him to be. But there's a logjam of experience at the top, and I think it's probably next year is when Powers is going to really have that time. And that's not a bad thing either because, like you said, he was he was pretty skinny. He's got more frame to fill than Hicks did. And he's a guy that another year of that physical development, that mental development of how to really be a linebacker at a place like Ohio State is going to help. So I think this is another learning year for Powers. But I think he's one we keep a real close eye on coming out of spring next year especially if three of the four that we're mentioning ahead of him maybe aren't part of the linebacker picture next year. Maybe it's just CJ who's, who's been one of the guys who ran a lot because the others went off to greener pastures or moved on from college. Because, I mean, let's face it, they're all fourth and fifth years. So Powers is a guy next year we're going to be looking at like, hey, we need to count on you. I think this is a bit of his grow into that role year. Question from Dream Tri- Dreamtime Relaxation on YouTube. Dreamtime Relaxation. Is Reed Carrico going to pull out 
or does he have a pathway to the field next year? I'm sure a lot of people are wondering that. Reed Carrico is a guy, doesn't seem like he's in the mix at all. He's entering his third year. I don't think he's going to transfer out this. I think he's going to play this coming season. What do you, what's your take on Reed Carrico? Just it's not working out for him. Got to be patient. What do you think about Reed Carrico? I think we're going to learn a lot about Reed Carrico this year when we see how many linebackers Ohio State consistently puts on the field. That's the part we haven't talked about yet, Davis. Are we going to just keep running two out left and right like we've been seeing? Or are they going to be willing to use a third linebacker more? Because remember, Reed Carrico was supposed to be the, the, the number one guy at that third spot that never made it on the field last year, right? So right. are we going to go through another year where they're like, well, you know, you're at the top of the depth chart at your position. We just use it for 12% of snaps. <laughs> That's going to be a bigger question to me. because or 2% of snaps. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was the small like he barely did. Yeah, they're all goal line snaps. Let's get a third linebacker on the field. But like at the end of the day, you know, Reed Carrico is a guy that the skill set that the coaching staff sees him excelling at is also the skill set that our defense hasn't been utilizing. And that to me is the biggest question here. Because if we're going to three linebackers this year on a more consistent basis, Carrico's gonna be on the field more. And then no, I don't think he goes anywhere. But if he's found himself either starting at a non-existent position or behind the log jam. And now he's, he's been passed by not one, but two younger guys. It's going to be difficult. Right. And that's the sort of kid that I think a lot of people be disappointed to see leave. Cause he's got that classic, like this is an Ohio state linebacker look to him. But <laughs> like at the end of the day, are we going to play three linebackers at all this season? And, and if we don't, you know, there's, there's things that are a consideration too beyond Reed Carrico. It's going to affect how many linebackers we recruit. It's going to affect how many linebackers are wanting to come here because there's less opportunity to get on the field than elsewhere. Question from Charles White on Facebook. Is there any way they will utilize Hicks or Melton as the Jack? Yes. Jim Knowles talked about that last week. Um, Jim Knowles met with the media for about a half hour last week. A lot of great stuff. It's on our YouTube page. It's free. You can go back and watch that. Um, and he mentioned that that C.J. Hicks, they're going to find different roles for him. He's not just going to play will linebacker. He might play some middle linebacker. He's going to play the jack. This is all coming from Jim Knowles, and he mentioned that uh, uh, Melton as well. They call him Mitch. Mitch Melton is also going to play the jack. My question back says, how much are they going to use the jack? We heard about the jack, the jack, the jack, the jack, and then they didn't really play the jack. They did a little bit, and it was Jack Sawyer who usually was playing it, and he was miscast there. I don't know how much they're going to use the jack, but, yes, to answer your question, Charles, if they do use the jack, C.J. Hicks and Mitch Melton are going to be the two guys. What do you think, Bax? I mean, the Jack, to me, at this point, is all jacked up. We keep saying, hearing stuff about it, but, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, like last year, the, the, the Jack was wildly underused, and when it was, it was like, hey, Jack Sawyer, stand up. We're like, what are you doing? No, put, put him back going after the quarterback. What are we doing? So, at the end of the day, I, I don't have a lot of faith to use the Jack. I, I think that you're going to see more three linebacker sets when we get against some of the heavier opponents, but who knows? It's the second year. So maybe there's a lot more for Knowles to roll out. Maybe we're just, uh, we're being cynical at this point because last year at this time, you and I were like, Oh my gosh, it's going to be a dynamic defense. And then we thought it got fixed. And then at the end of the year, we're like, no, it's not fixed. It's not good. Very bad. So like I I'm a bit bitten the, show me zone right now with anything related to our defense this year and Jim Knowles. So I don't really care too much to hear about all the fancy stuff that we're doing. You know what I want us to do? Tackle well, win the battles at the line of scrimmage, not mm -hmm. give up bombs. Like that's, that's, you can get into whatever exotic defense discussions you want to have. 
do you want to be a football X's and O's nerds? But I'm a fundamentals guy. Beat the guy in front of you. Be in position. Make your tackles. Don't let the guys get behind you in the pass defenses, that sort of stuff. Show me the fundamentals are right here and that we can stop any passes against any team that's remotely capable of throwing the football. And then we can talk about the Jack actually mattering. The James Lore, James Laurinaitis effect. I know you and I both are fired up about Laurinaitis as a grad assistant, quote unquote. He's the linebacker coach. He, as we've talked about on the show many times, for those that don't know, James Laurinaitis is running the linebacker room, which yeah. allowed, which frees Jim Knowles up a little bit because he was running the linebacker room and being the defensive coordinator. Of course, he's still going to be heavily involved with the linebackers and everything with the defense. But I mean, having James Laurinaitis as a quote grad assistant is just a coup of coups. And He's already helping with recruiting, but on the field, man, I think this is just going to elevate this linebacking core. What we saw from Tommy Eichenberg last year, he's going to be better. Everybody's going to be a little bit better, maybe more than a little bit better because of James Laurinaitis being around here. Yeah. And you know what? One thing I think James Laurinaitis was always exceptional at as a player, and I think he's going to end up being uh, really great for these guys at was James Laurinaitis was awesome at shedding blocks. He was so good at flowing to the football and keeping hands off of him. A lot of that hand technique that he's been able to teach these guys is going to allow them to get clear of some of these blockers and make some plays that maybe they didn't last year. That's one thing with, with Laurinaitis. You ever go back and watch him at OSU? Like, yeah, he was it was great, and we all loved having him there, and the animal spiked shoulder pads. And I got my signed Laurinaitis OSU hard hat on my shelf over here, right? Like, yes, we love the guy. But when you look at why he was so good coming from being a three-star recruit who was a hockey player until he was a junior in high school up in Minnesota was because of his focus on detail. He was so good at shedding blocks. He was so good at, at anticipating plays. He didn't really overrun a lot of tackles, right? He was so good at closing. All those fundamentals that I just talked about, James Laurinaitis was excellent at the fundamentals. And that's going to help these guys because – no matter what level of any sport you're at, the fundamentals are still critical. In fact, I sometimes wonder in football if the, the elite level, sometimes they get too far away from fundamentals on defense because people are so athletic that they're used to just getting there and people like going, ah, and ducking. And so they just run into guys and then the other really elite guys bounce off of them because they forget their fundamentals. They forget the wrap up. They forget to get their head against the tackle. They forget the rugby tackle and turn. All the things that you, you get taught at young ages still apply all the way up. And Laurinaitis is one of those guys who won't forget that. And I think I'm more excited about James Laurinaitis's impact on making sure that these guys are sticking to the fundamentals of good, basic tackling, pursuit, shedding blocks than anything else. And that's going to be fantastic for Ohio State. So you want to talk about a vector of improvement? That's the biggest one right there, is to get the guys on the field off of the blocks that sometimes they got caught on last year. Last thing on the show here, question from YouTube. Um, do we think the Buckeyes are the only team that can beat Georgia in the playoffs because of the way we played last year? I, won't, I don't know if Ohio State's the only team that could beat Georgia. I mean, there's definitely a very short list. I, maybe Clemson. I'm curious to see what Clemson looks like this year. Dabo, I think, now has the coordinators in place. I didn't, I didn't think he had the coordinators in place last year. He might have his quarterback now. Um, but it was a very, very short list. Very, very short list of, of teams. Um I'll say maybe there's maybe Clemson, maybe one more. I don't know, but definitely it's a short list of teams. What do you think, Bax? I think everybody is so high on Georgia because they won the last two national championships, and they're not looking at the fact that the entire last two years' worth of kids have moved on to the NFL now. I mean, the, let's be real here. This is, this is still a super talented team down in Georgia, but 
I, I again would like to point out that Ohio State last year should have beat them, right? They, they, that's a game that we're going to look at forever and go, well, that was kind of crap. But on the flip side, I don't think that Georgia's this unbeatable demon either. Uh, I, I think that they're in an interesting position because Alabama does not have a quarterback this year. They're going to have to go back to the old Saban pans ball off to big running back offense and hope it works for a while. Um, so Bama's going to be interesting, but there's other talented teams. Like you say, Clemson, I think is going to be a lot better this year. Uh, Ohio state has the talent to do it, but they have to win their own league first. Uh, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see what a team like Penn state can do with a real quarterback that has a ton of talent on hand. I think Penn state's going to be real good this year. Obviously our rivals up North have done their job the last two years. Uh, I don't think that they'd, they'd be more, I think Penn state's more likely to be Georgia than they are just based on what I see of roster composition. Uh, I think Ohio State is certainly the best bet to beat them. Certainly the best bet to beat them. Um, but I think that there are other teams that have that capability to do so. I don't think Georgia this year is going to be the same as we saw the last two years, just with all the – I mean, think about how many first-round picks they've lost in the last two years, Dave. It's something like right. 12 or 13 or something crazy like that. Anywhere, that's a lot of talent to overcome. And – you know, guess what? Things fell their way, right? They fell their way. They are back-to-back national champions. There's nothing we can do about it. But I could also easily point at it and say, Georgia was lucky to win last year, right? For sure. For sure. Uh, I know we're Ohio yeah. State guys saying that, but for sure, yes. Yeah, I mean, but like, let's be real here. Uh, yet another stupid replay controversy screws OSU in a playoff situation, right? Ohio State might have two national championships in the last four years if these stupid officials in these playoff games could get the replays right. So guess what? There's two times, by the way, that they went back in that game. The one where there was the random bar through the screen where OSU stopped them on fourth down and they had no way to overturn it, and they did. And then, of course, the target on Marvin Harrison Jr. that totally changed the game. Ohio State wins the football game if that flag stays, right? So Georgia's not this undefeatable monster. And even when you have these undefeatable monster teams, like remember USC when it was the Leinert and Bush and White teams, right? 2002 beat, Miami. Yeah, 2002, 2002 Miami, Miami won 38 straight games or something until OSU punched them in the mouth and they didn't like it, right? So, yeah, Georgia's not undefeatable. There are, there are teams that can beat Georgia. Ohio State is certainly the one I would pick with the best odds to beat them. But there's other teams that I think are capable of beating Georgia too. Georgia's lost some key talent. We can't forget that. And college football, it's cyclically changed the rosters every year. You make one mistake. Look at DJU at the quarterback situation for Clemson. They fell into a crater for two years, and relatively, but a crater nonetheless, right? They're not the, the team on everybody's tongue anymore. So OSU's in a great position to do it, though. I don't want to take that away from it, but let's not build Georgia up to be like an NFL team. Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. We went uh, pretty long here on the show, almost 26 minutes. Thanks very much to Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is The Bucket. Thanks to all of you. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Um, give us a like. All that good stuff really helps. Appreciate you guys very much. Thanks to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Go Bucks.
Yes, Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.